I'm Carlin Gay, and if I see Kevin Love in the post, I would pass him the ball. I'm Micah Adams. I still don't know what Kyle Kuzma's wearing. I'm Gil McGregor, and can we stop acting so surprised about the Oklahoma City Thunder? And I'm Kyle Irving, and I just want to say it's good to hear Kyrie Irving speak again. Welcome into the first or second edition of NBA Sound System in 2020. We uh, actually had an edition last year or last week to wrap up the year. Now this is the first edition in 2020 where we're actually sitting down and breaking bread and talking a lot of trade talk. We'll be on this podcast, a lot of Kyle Kuzma talk, what's going on with his hair and where will he play basketball next. Victor Oladipo is coming back into the lineup eventually. How does that change the Eastern Conference? And a former slam dunk champion is coming back to try and defend his crown. All that and more right here on this edition of NBA Sound System. But we're going to start where it's hot and that is the trade rumors surrounding the league it seems like there's a bunch of trade rumors for two people in general coming off of the big weekend uh we'll start with the first one and that's andre drummond who in detroit and by the way andre drummond did come out and say that he doesn't want to go anywhere and yada 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 but Woj dropped the bomb on us saying that he was uh rumored to go to atlanta or trade talks had been happening between detroit and atlanta to try to get him in atlanta um and uh, it didn't happen yet. It hasn't happened yet. There's other teams in the mix. Raptors, one of them. Am I missing any other teams that might be in the mix that was reported over the last? Who is he friends with? That's what we really need to find out. There's a bunch of Andre Drummond's friends with this guy, so he might play on this team. That was happening all weekend long. He's still a Detroit Pistons right now, or Detroit Pistons player right now as we talk. He will be a free agent in the summer. Um, where do you guys think Andre Drummond ends up eventually? And first, first, is he going to get traded? Uh, I think he does get traded. I just think that the Pistons are in a tough spot right now, and Blake Griffin might have season-ending surgery, and I just don't see that team going anywhere, and I think they're starting to realize that. Uh, it's probably unlikely that Drummond is going to re-sign there this offseason if he is still there, just because, I mean, even though he says that he wouldn't mind spending the rest of his career in Detroit, I just don't see that. Likely. He, he kind of has to say that, That's right? Yeah, say, right? He exactly. lied. Let's just, yeah. let's just call it what it is. He lied. Well, the man and didn't lie. He, he just, lied. He I, I, well, in my opinion, let say. me say, in my opinion, I think he lied. And the only reason why is because the trade rumors happened and it took two days. Nothing, there was no movement, no nothing. I guess he kind of had to come out and say it, as Micah said, that you know what, I want to be a Detroit Pistons so that that market once again opens up. So he did He did his part to try and get himself out of Detroit. Drummond's one of those guys, like, what do you get for Andre Drummond? Like, because he's a free agent, like, I don't know. I just, on one hand, it's like, well, is Detroit really going to get, like, a real asset back for him? But then on the same token, like, I don't know, if, if you're not really interested in re-signing him or he's not going to re-sign there anyway, you might as well get something. Like, what do you... What do you get for Andre Drummond? Right, and you have to find like a, a team that, that gets an agreement from him saying like, okay, I'm going to either opt in for next year and right. stay long-term. Like, I don't think anybody's going to rent Andre Drummond for for a few months. If, I think it's a team that's going to try. And you know, it's not like they're getting him to be like a draw for the crowd. They're, they're getting him to, to be that next piece to move them forward. So that's kind of a big part of it, I think. Yeah, so the report over the weekend was that they're looking for an expiring contract and a first-round pick at the minimum. And that's not that's exactly nothing. the highest asking yeah, price nothing. for the best rebounder yeah, that's not in the crazy. NBA. So, so, the t- so I think it's more about the type of tr- team that's going to trade for Andre Drummond versus what the team actually gives up. Because Atlanta, the type of team Atlanta is, is a team that's clearly not anywhere near championship contention, but it's a team that is going to have a hard time convincing a free agent to come and play in Atlanta. But if they get an Andre Drummond – and can show him that you know he could be the guy. You kind of rent him. You take him through the facilities. Make him feel like Atlanta is home. Maybe you have a better shot of resigning him. That's the type of team that I think he ends up on. Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, the Washingtons of the world. Teams that won't go out and sign him in the offseason because they're nowhere near winning a cha- you know championship contention. But a team that will build around him or convince him that they can build around him to then create a winner. I think he's in a tough spot when you when we talk about that, and that's a really good point. There are a lot of teams uh, that aren't attractive free agent destinations for all-star caliber guys, guys who average 16 and 18, whatever it is he's averaging this year. But I think where he's in an unfortunate spot is that 
those are teams that have money to, to spend this offseason. There's not, you know, the, the LAs of the world have, have spent their money. You know, Miami has right. spent their money. Right. Um, and I don't even know if there's even a, a fit there because they, they're pretty much set in the front court. So I think that it's kind of looking like it's going to be a trade or he's going to have to go somewhere and, and convince himself to love it or stay in Detroit. I mean, he's got, that's, you, you just hit the nail on the head, right? Like he's, it's it's gonna be it's just gonna boil down to whether he wants to get paid or he wants to win mm-hmm. because I he's ask, probably not doing both. I want to ask you're Andre Drummond's agent. Yeah, what's the That'd best? Be great. I get ten percent. <laughs> well, what's the best case scenario then? What are you what are you pushing for for your client? Is it to get the biggest contract or is it to try and put him in a situation where he can win and become a bigger star? I I think that like I. I don't know. I mean, the you obviously always want to get the best deal for your client, right? But sure. I think that you want him to get a taste of winning, because I think that that would that maybe opens more doors or opens more possibilities than right. he currently has on the table now. And maybe and maybe say like Dallas were to trade for him, that would be the best case. Scenario, or the Clippers were to trade. Him. Say one of those two teams okay. were to trade for, or Boston, or a team that right like he actually could, if not put over the top, then at least make very interesting and win a couple of rounds. I mean, maybe, maybe he gets a little taste of that and decides, you know what? I'll do this for one more year and win, and then I'll get paid. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like you said, Gil, like the teams that have space next summer, like I I don't know. Very good. Those are the ones that he, you know, fancies himself. It's not much better than what he's doing right Right, now. Exactly. It's just a lateral move. Luckily our good friend, Scott Rafferty of NBA.com, went out of his way to create trade destinations for the Andre Drummond. Four of them that he kind of pegged Drummond to go to uh, was, of course, the Atlanta Hawks, which already reported by Woj, uh, the Boston Celtics, the L.A. Clippers, Micah, you mentioned, and the Charlotte Hornets. Those are the four teams. He has a couple honorable mentions, the Knicks, the the Mavericks, and the Raptors. The Raptors uh, talk kind of heated up towards the back end of the weekend that he might go there that's still I don't, up why, in the air they i don't so get many, the raptors thing I don't, why does I that don't make either. sense i don't either i i i don't know i guess if you're not going to sign marcus saul you can put that money towards andre drummond that's the only sense i could see it making i guess i don't know why you would handcuff yourself like that though because then you'd have to go out and potentially re-sign him if you want to get your full value out of him and i just don't know if he's going to make them that much better this year than they already are i also think that it's something to do with because this isn't the first time that he's been rumored to go to the raptors like he he mentioned uh in his in his kind of uh state of the Andre Drummond situation where he said that he was going to, you know, always hear trade rumors. He's been hearing it since a rookie. He was rumored way back in the day for Jonas Valanciunas, like a straight up swap between those two guys, like a year and a half into his career. So uh, I think it has to do, maybe Masai really likes this guy. You know, we don't know. Masai sees things that we don't often see. And, you know, maybe Masai thinks that this is another guy that could take them over the top. I don't know. But I brought up Scott Rafferty's trade destinations to ask you guys around the circle right now. Out of these options that Scott has laid out in NBA.com, most likely to happen is what, Kyle? I, uh, I like Charlotte. I had Nick Batum, either Malik Monk or Dwayne Bacon, and a first-round pick for Andre Drummond. I just think that that's a place where he could go and he could still put up big numbers, and that's a place that potentially would re-sign him considering they're not necessarily a hotbed for free agent destinations. Um, does he make him that much better? Does he make him a contender? No, but I just think that at least you're putting an all-star, another all-star presence in Charlotte. It gives them, you know, an exciting new piece to promote, and I just think that that's a good spot for him. Uh, I think Atlanta. You know, they, they talked about the, the the apparently relationship. I had no idea that he had with Trey Young. Didn't know they were good friends. We we read reports about that. I mean, I don't you know, know. something I like that. that. <laughs> um, but but you think about what they have going on down there, and with Trey Young and John Collins kind of being their their one two punch. I think that Drummond, kind of like what Scott mentioned, he gives them a, a big boost on the defensive end. Uh, John Collins can slide to the four. Uh, Drummond can come in and play the five. The, the tough part is that they have to probably part ways with one of their young guys in addition to the expiring contracts of Chandler Parsons or Alan Crabb. Is that a bad thing, though? Uh, well, I mean, Atlanta's I, I, got a, young, a lot of young guys. So, so I guess so I guess you, you I think you make Herter untouchable. I think you try and, and really don't want to get, get rid of, of Hunter. Do you, can you sell the upside of Reddish? Is that going to be enough, some expirings in Reddish? Will Detroit go for that? If they think they're not going to resign him anyway, I think that maybe that's what, what they do. Mm-hmm. I don't really know, but I think that that's that's very likely. I do think that I mean I was pretty high on Atlanta coming into the season. Obviously, John Collins missed twenty five games, and they just aren't there. They don't have a backup point guard. They're a few spot steps away, but I do think that having a big three like that could really help them to 
accelerate their progress to being a little more respectable team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think Atlanta is. I think Atlanta is the one. They, in addition to their own picks, <laughs> they have a 2020 first round pick from Brooklyn that's lottery protected. They got a 2022 first round pick from OKC, again also lottery protected. So it's not like they only have their own draft picks. Now I'm sure that given the state of their season, Detroit would fight tooth and nail to have. Um, you know, their their first-round draft pick this upcoming year. But, I mean, it, Atlanta's not forking over an unprotected pick anyway right. uh, for one year of Andre Drummond. But but I agree with you. I agree with Gil. I think Atlanta's the one that makes the most sense. What's the dark horse in this race? It's got to be Dallas, right? Or might, potentially even Houston? I might have said the Clippers might be a dark horse. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think I think Montrez is a guy who's going to be getting paid soon. And with the guys on their roster, they might have to part ways – with somebody like that, I think that Pat Bev and Lou Will are too critical to what they're doing. But if they're going to get a center, part ways with the center, and then try and make it work with like a Harkless or something like that, and then and, and take a shot, because I think their window might be smaller than they realize. Initially. Would you rather have Trez for the rest of the year or Andre Drummond for the rest of the year? Because you get the sense that they're not going to re-sign Trez. Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe maybe they will, but it's going to be very expensive, right? And. You know, if, if Drummond is going to opt out and he ends up being a rental anyway, essentially you're just asking it's a, it's the question loss, of right. would we rather Who's have better, Trez yeah. or would we rather have Drummond? Who would you rather have? I mean, I, I think that you look at the fit and you see what Trez is doing in that system. I think that a lot of it has to do with the comfort already. I think he fits much better in what, with what they do. But also I, th- I think you kind of have the idea of knowing kind of what the ceiling is. I think there's a element of unknown what the ceiling is with getting arguably the best rebounder in the game, a guy who will start instead of having Zubats and having that. I think I think it allows Lou Will to be like the hands-down six-man guy, and then I think it makes for a little more clarity with those those game-closing lineups. But I, I do see the value of having Trez and just the continuity for continuity's sake, but yeah. uh, I do think it's intriguing. I just I personally think that Trez means more to that locker room than you might think. And if they're already going through locker room issues, which I know we're going to get to later, I don't know if trading away Trez is going to be the move, no matter who you're getting in return. I mean, Andre Drummond, you know, he's best rebounder in the NBA. He does make them better because he fits a need. But I don't know if continuity-wise, I don't know if chemistry-wise that's going to make them better. I want you to hold that thought because we're going to get to that in a second. Let's move quickly to Kevin Love. Uh, Kevin Love had an interesting tantrum on the court. <laughs> say that again. Uh, <laughs> if you hadn't seen it, it w- I mean, you just Google his name and it pops right up. Um, but he was also uh, reportedly by the Athletics uh, said to be fined $1,000 uh, for an outburst that he had against the Toronto Raptors. What are we doing giving a $1,000 I was just about to say, $1,000? What are we doing here? Well, first of all, who's wrong? Is it the fine that's wrong? So Kobe Altman, GM, uh, uh, you know, reportedly gave out the $1,000 fine for the outburst that he had. All he did was walk off the floor and slap his hand on the bench. Is he wrong for finding him the $1,000? Or is Kevin Love wrong for then screaming at Kobe Altman, reportedly, in front of everybody on the team for said thousand dollar fine when he's making, it's kind of. I mean, one hundred and twenty million the, the, the next fine, four years. The fine is so incredibly petty and so dumb. It, it's, it's an amount that doesn't make any sense. Like I see twenty five thousand, and I sometimes like, why, why bother? Right. So what are we doing? But, but, then, but then, like on love, yeah, like what? Come on, don't you can't do that publicly in in front of everyone. I know he's frustrated. It's kind of like. Everyone is being like somebody. Please be an adult in the room. Yes, right. And like you would expect that out of your number one front office guy. You would expect that out of Kevin Love. And I don't know. It, it's kind of all sides don't look too good here, right? I think you're just bringing unnecessary drama and attention to your team with a thousand dollar fine. I mean, that's like me asking you guys to borrow ten bucks to Kevin Love. <laughs> I, right. I, I just don't know why. Would, not even right. Yeah. Right. And I, I just don't know why you would do that. And to if your you team. didn't pay back, I would be screaming in front of your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Find me more. Yeah. Find me more. Um, I think it just could have prevented a lot of the stuff that happened over the weekend. I mean, poor, I think it was Colin Sexton that had to catch that 97 mile per hour sinking <laughs> fastball, two hand chest pass. It, it was, I, no, I no, never really he, seen anything. He gave like the that. rock up. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever, oh, okay. So he passed somebody yeah. else in the corner. It was, uh, it was poor hour. Chetty Osman that had to play yeah. back catcher there. I, I just, I think you could have avoided all of that. I think that was just, you know, added on to what had already happened earlier in the week. I just, I don't understand what they're doing out there. In Kevin Love's defense, the reason why he got so upset was the shot clock was winding down. End of the second quarter, they're getting pounded by the the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. 
and Colin Sexton was standing there wearing the ball out, uh, just pounding it into the floor. Kevin Love had Chris Paul on him, who was already in foul trouble, and Love was trying to post him up, try to see if he get a bucket, try to see if he get a double team, or even better, get Chris Paul his third foul and put him in foul trouble, serious foul trouble in the game. I think it was third or fourth foul. I can't remember off the top of my head. But that's why he was upset. That's why he was mad. Uh, and that's why he fired the ball at Chetty Osman. Um, but all is safe now because he actually came out with the Instagram post ever afterwards, and that's Loves you know teammates. that changes everything, Loves right? Yeah, you get the likes there, so that's that's all good. But the question is now: all this is happening with Kevin Love. Obviously, the best case scenario for both parties is that Kevin Love moves on to another team. I I just wonder what team that is, and at this point in Kevin Love's career, how much can he really help a team? I think he can still provide a lot of value, right? I mean, he's a great rebounder and he's a great shooter. Those those are two things that have not changed. I mean, long gone are the days. Like, he hasn't been the version of give the ball to Kevin Love, let him go for 25 and 12. And, I mean, that that those days are, are long gone. But, right. I mean, can he be a 19 and 10 guy? Probably on, on a good championship contending team. Right. I think absolutely. I the The thing that strikes me about this story is, like, it's so it's so predictable. Like he knows that this team is going to be awful when he signed <laughs> that extension. Like, right. what on earth did he expect? Right. Like, why? Why would this is what is happening right now in Cleveland is the single most predictable thing possible. So if he didn't want it, then don't take the money and sign somewhere. Like you can't have it both ways. Mm. And that I think is where uh, Kevin Love here is. Kind of, kind of putting himself in a bad light because, like, you're kind of getting. I mean, this is what he signed up for. Like, he willingly signed up for this. He knew that LeBron was already gone. This team could be a rebuilding team. They're going to be a new coach. It's all going to be young guys. They're not going to win a lot of games. So, knowing that, if you're going to take the bag, then man, you got to take all the other stuff that comes with it. Yeah, and and he's the leader on this team, uh, and it's a young team. And he was saying all the right things at the beginning of the year that he wanted to be there and yada, yada, yada. And 30 games into the season, he no longer wants to be there. But Kevin Love is also 31. He's had injury problems. The last time you said that he could, he could average 19 and 10 on a championship winning team, the last time he averaged 19 and 10, that was in 2017. It's been a little while since he's averaged at least 20 and, or it was 19 and 11 that year. All right, we'll call it 20 and 10, round up for him. He hasn't done that since then. It's been three years of that, and now he's the go-to guy on the team. He's still not averaging that. So I ask again, what do you think he could bring to a championship caliber team? I think you you mentioned him being the go-to guy, and I think a lot of that has to do with what's around him. You know, the young backcourt of of Sexton and Garland, I do think uh, he would be able to be a little more productive with a better cast around him, and I think just engagement. Uh, We've seen a lot of things, a lot of clips where he seems to be a little disengaged. Um, I, I do think if he's in the right situation, he can he can produce a little bit better. I don't know if he can be a nineteen and ten guy. I think that it might be more efficient with with not as gaudy numbers and a better spot for him. Um, but it's just hard for me to, to figure out where that is. You know who who who's out here saying we're one Kevin Love away from you know getting to the second round or one Kevin Love away from getting to the conference finals, especially with the fact that he's owed so much money over the next three years. I, I think mm. it's uh, thirty plus for two, and then it goes back down to to twenty nine for the final year, and, and he's not getting any younger either. No, uh, uh, so it's it's tough to see. I, I know the way he shoots the ball, um, the way he plays offensively, the things that he can do. His game will age uh, well. But it's just the the money that he's making combined with his age, combined with the teams and, and where the contenders are in the league, it's just hard to envision a landing spot for him. I think Portland is a, a trade destination that has came up often since the offseason. Right. Um, I think that's one that makes sense. I think that's a place where he can make a difference. The only thing is part of their issue is defense, and Kevin Love isn't going to make them an elite defensive team all of yeah, a sudden. Yeah, they're a bad team. But as far as Defensively. What, as far as what he can bring to a championship caliber team, he just gives you somebody who's been there before, someone you can trust on the floor in the playoffs, someone you know will step up when you need him to. And I think for a team like Portland right now, who's coming off their best season in a long time last year, making it to the Western Conference Finals, they're kind of struggling to stay in that playoff picture. Kind of like Gil was just saying, I don't know if there's a team that's saying we're one Kevin Love away from you know, being a perennial contender, but I think the Portland Trailblazers could consider themselves one Kevin Love away from at least being a playoff team. And I think that could be enough to make them go out and get a player like him. I've brought up Miami as one that I want to see. Um, I I don't think that they would do it just because that takes them out of 2021 and, like, Pat Riley is – 
I mean, nobody, nobody's a big game hunter uh, quite like Pat Riley, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, to, to everything you just said, with the veteran know-how, guy that's been there before, um, you know, Miami's a team that, like, they have guys that are experienced, but they're also relying on a, some pretty unproven guys that are specifically like shooters. Like who? Like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow are the two most important shooters on that team. They they obviously are just little young pups that don't know a thing about what it takes to go deep or win yet. So sure. I don't know. I mean, maybe Miami looks in the mirror and says, let's be honest, maybe I don't think we're going to get anyone in 2021. Let's go get love now. Let's try to win right now. Is love that guy, though? I was going to say, I think that you make that point at the right time, too, because we just came off a week where the Heat lost two games in you know contests that – Kendrick Nunn couldn't get it going. Tyler Harrell couldn't get it going. Duncan Robinson couldn't get it going. And they lost to the, the know, Bradley Beal-less yeah. Wizards in the Magic. It's a rough In loss. games yeah. that you shouldn't lose. Score six points in the fourth quarter against the Magic. Six. Right. So I think that's a good point where, you know, it does take him out of that free, you know, the free agency pool in 2021, but he could be that player that adds a little bit of consistency to a team that's relying on a lot of unproven. They've proven it in the regular season so far, but unproven guys in the playoffs. And I think, I think Jimmy Butler would like playing with him, too. He strikes me as the type of uh, uh, the type of mostly no nonsense guy that like look he played for four years with LeBron like he, mm-hmm. look, Jimmy Butler's gonna trust Kevin Love you know yeah I just don't know if Miami takes that swing though for Kevin Love for the reason that if Kevin Love's two years younger I think you do it I think at thirty one right now um, you know and again like I said injuries are playing a big factor in my opinion in this. Um, and the money that he's going to be owed, and you mentioned trying to stay open to signing guys when that free agency class comes up, because this summer it's not great. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't take the swing on Kevin Love, especially at the fact of recording right now the twenty six and ten best home record in the NBA. Like they're playing really good basketball. I don't know how much better they're going to get with Kevin Love. I think they're still going to be a team that probably finishes, you know, the season maybe on the cusp of getting to the conference finals even if Kevin Love's there with or without him. I, I, don't, I don't see them breaking through the finals if Kevin Love is the guy. That's just what I think there. So they're um, not one Kevin Love away. <laughs> no, not one, they're definitely not one Kevin Love away. And that's why I find I, it's, it's a struggle for uh, me to find a destination for Kevin Love to make sense because I don't think there's a team right now that is a Kevin Love away from going over the top, uh, especially where he is right now, um, which brings me back to Drummond. Drummond's seeing Kevin Love go through all this. Do you think he's going to be afraid to re-sign in Detroit knowing what we know? Detroit is not going to get much better than what they are right now. Micah famously said he wants Detroit to stop smoking. (laughs) (laughs) So should Andre Drummond take heed of those warnings and try to get out now? I know he's not going to say it publicly, but behind the scenes... Should he be pushing a little harder to get out of Detroit right now? I mean, that's what it seems like is going on behind the scenes. I don't think that these rumors came from thin air. I do think there's probably some some agreement on both sides that they probably need to move on. I think that it was an interesting experiment in the first place to try and, in this day and age, build around a, a front court. Granted, they've dealt with injuries, and, and Blake has had a great year last year, but then he just his knee just kind of gave out on him. And, again, like, like uh, Kyle mentioned, it, his season could be coming to an end, so I know that's mm. a big part of it. But I don't think that, like, their their ceiling are probably a six seed at, at best. And I think that it's it's time for them to kind of move. You're talking on. about the Pistons, the Pistons, the Pistons right. with with everybody clicking on all cylinders are probably a six seed at best. And I don't think there's much they can do besides starting over to change that. I, mean, I think you build around the young guys. I think they're showing they've seen some good things of, of Dumboya, the guy they drafted this past year. Uh, I think that's that's the best thing for them. I think Drummond needs to, to realize that as well. I think um, obviously he's at a different stage of his career, and I, I do realize that in the peak of your career you need to get as much money as possible. But I look at what Al Horford did in, in deciding to go to Philadelphia to extend his career a little bit more. I think Drummond can look at that and realize, okay, do I want to make – 120 over the next four years or do I want to try and get 180 over the next eight eight or nine years you know you mm-hmm. look at something like that where trying to extend his career or whatever those numbers might not have even made sense but whatever <laughs> um just extend his career and trying to win in the meantime because I think that when you, when you look back that's a big part of what defines your legacy and and if that's important to him which I do think winning is important to him that that's what he should do Pistons are 13 and 24 as we sit right now even with all the injuries and everything else so 
what happens next is a good question. All right, uh, let's move quickly to the Lakers trade talk because Kyle Kuzma, right before we recorded, um, friend of the program, Mark Stein, tweeted, Sacramento is among the teams trying to engage the Lakers in Kyle Kuzma trade talks, league sources say. Kings know they have to include sharpshooter and soon to be free agent Bogdan Bogdanovich to even get the deal started. Um, I said before we came down here, if this is the deal for the Lakers, like I'm, I'm rushing this trade to the league office. Yeah, this trade's already done if that's on the table. Hundred percent. Like, I, 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 don't give him a no, chance to reconsider. Nothing else. No. Don't this, give him a this, chance this to trade, just what it is. Nothing else. The fact that they even got to the point where we're leaking this information means that Sacramento's dragging their feet on this. The Lakers probably understand that. Uh, you know, if Sacramento's winning to give up Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, or the Kings, sorry, are probably understand that if they have to give up Bogdanovich. Other teams will probably give them a better deal than just Kyle Kuzma. So try to get some other teams involved. So that means I think Bogdanovich is on his way out of Sacramento. And I was on this podcast probably three weeks ago, and I said that the Kings need to make a move because they just have three guys that do the same things or want to do the same things. Um, I'm sad to see Bogdanovich go, but I'm happy to see him go to a new place where he could be a sixth be man. terrifying on the Lakers, He would be man. incredible. Be That'd be really be Are you so kidding me? He would be incredible in, in LA. I think he would be incredible anywhere but Sacramento, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. Uh, but we started talking about Kyle Kuzma, and we ended up Bogdan Bogdanovich. So yeah, because he's the far better player. <laughs> he is so the far we better should better. be talking about Let's it. Let's quickly, Kyle Kuzma, where does he end up? That's your guy, so I'll give you the floor. Kyle. I I do like Kyle Kuzma. I he's has not been great this year, and I just don't think this fit works with this team. I think he was actually better suited. That's the problem, with right? The Lakers the team. The, I, <laughs> well, in both cases, All the right. fit. The fit is the is the problem in both cases. Uh, I don't know what he's doing with his hair, what he's doing with his outfits. Uh, he's trying for like GQ Man of the Year or something. But I think honestly. Bogdan Bogdanovich is the perfect fit for the Lakers, and if this tra- if this is on the table, they should go for it. And I think it would actually be the best thing for Kyle Kuzma at this point too, because clearly LA isn't the fit for him. Clearly, uh, you know the way that he fits in with this team and the rotation and everything like that. He's not going to get the shots he needs to be productive. He's not going to be able to get the rebounds he needs to be productive. Uh, you know he's minuscule on the defensive end, everything like that. And the Lakers have been openly, and actively shopping, uh, trying to acquire a ball like a playmaking uh not necessarily a ball dominant but someone that can score off the bench a guard that can score off the bench and bogdan bogdanovich has already proved that he can do that he was phenomenal at the fiba basketball world cup this summer in the time that darren fox missed earlier this year bogdanovich was the one that stepped up and kind of got this uh second half of the season turnaround going for the sacramento kings i think that kyle kuzma could be pretty good next to darren fox and buddy healed and i think that if we're going to see kyle kuzma reach whatever his maximum potential is in his career, it's probably going to be somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Kyle Kuzma anymore. I know you are going to say something about him, so just cut there. Let's talk about Bogdanovich because I think <laughs> he's far more interesting. Um, I like Bogdanovich because he has this big chip on his shoulder all the time. Doesn't matter. I think he thinks in his mind that if he's going one-on-one against LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, any player in the league, that he's just as good as those guys and he could get his own shot over those guys. And I think L.A. is missing that one player other than AD and LeBron to, to be able to do that. Yeah, he checks so many boxes. You know, Kyle, you talked about what he does and what he brings to the table. Like, he's a guy who can come in and, like, he can run run the offense. He can spot up and knock down open jumpers. He, he has that confidence about him to create his own shot. Uh, he can do all those things. And also one thing that's kind of slept on about him is when he was drafted, he stayed over for a few years. So he's an older guy. He's 27 years old. He kind of has – People forget you, that. You know, yeah, people yeah. forget that. It's whatever. It's his third year in the league. But he's a little more savvier as, as, a, as like, a, a – six seven eight year veteran because he's 27 years old mm-hmm. so i think he fits the timeline of what's going on in, in la i mean kuz is, is 24 years old it's not like he's the youngest guy in the world he's not 19 years old but this guy's 27 years old playing alongside lebron and ad i think that that would be perfect for him especially because he checks so many boxes i think it'll allow him to be right up to speed and understand what's being asked of him and understand the sense of urgency out there i, I cannot believe that the lakers are about to have bogdanovich fall into their laps so. and they're I mean, only gonna have to give up a guy who's not even starting and probably wouldn't be on the floor uh in the final five minutes of, of a tight <laughs> playoff game right like that's insane to me I, like bogdanovich is uh you know an amazing player, as you guys have talked, but the fit is such that, like, that could be the difference. Like, that could be a championship move. Like, that could be, like, the 
Raptors getting Marcus All last year that put them over the top. Uh, you know, the, that move to get the third or fourth guy that right. ends up being the difference maker. Like, Bogdanovich is a problem, and he's really, really good. Uh, and, you know, the Lakers have, like, they have really struggled this year whenever LeBron sat. And even when AD's been out there without LeBron, they have really struggled to have any semblance uh, of any offense. There's no creativity. There's no spacing. Nobody really has any confidence to do anything outside of Davis and LeBron. All of that changes with Bogdanovich, who, like you guys said, like, Kyle, you, you were talking about the FIBA World Cup. Like, he was the best player in that tournament for probably the first two and a half weeks of it. Like, and it was him, not Jokic, that was uh, that was Serbia's best player. Yeah, I think, so you say Bogdanovich is going to fall in the Lakers' lap, and I do agree. I mean, that would be a gift from the heavens if they could end up with Bogdan Bogdanovich. But at the same time, it's not like the Sacramento King. I'm going to defend Kyle Kuzma here because, seriously, I mean, if you're going to get the most out of him in his career, it's going to be somewhere else. And the ceiling is limited in Sacramento with Bogdan Bogdanovich because, he, like Carlin said, he does the same things that Buddy Heald does and Darren Fox does, where at least Kyle Kuzma kind of gives them something different. Like, if he, could co- if he could go out there and be the player the Lakers thought that Kyle Kuzma was going to be, that could give the Sacramento Kings a little bit higher of a ceiling, at least for the time being. And you're not going to re-sign Bogdanovich anyways. So, yes, he'd be falling in the Lakers' lap, but you'd have to admit that that's a good deal for the Kings. So not, to mention, not to mention, you talk about him being what he was. He played under uh, – Walton. He played under Luke Walton before, right. so yeah. I think there's a little familiarity there, and I think that you know, I think that might be an element of him thinking he can get the most out of a guy who he got the most out of before. Do you guys really want Bagley and Kuzma sharing sharing a front court? That's like easily the worst defensive front court in the league. <laughs> we, we we were joking about Boston's front court uh, prior to the season with with Cantor and other bigs. That is awful defensively. Hey, don't do that to my man Dan Tice, man. You know how I feel about him. No, That's I, my guy. It is a terrible, it is a terrible front court defensively, but I still think that it just it adds a different element to that team. I, what, what Gil brought up was uh, made me think that he was right on the nose when he said that you know Bogdanovich being a little bit older, twenty seven years of age, however old he is, and Kuzma's not the youngest guy, but Kuzma to me just feels immature. Like this is a guy who's had. All summer, all we talked about was how big of an opportunity this is for Kyle Kuzma to step into this role, to be the third guy, and he's more concerned right now about taking the hallway picks. Like, it, it, we'll just call it what it is. The the hair color, different stuff, he hasn't brought it on the court and, 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 and really taken this role seriously at all. Didn't do any sort of upgrades to his game. I mean, his trainer's talking about who's better than LeBron. Get your guy in the gym and get him better. He hasn't brought anything to the table he hasn't been a different player at all this season. Knowing that LeBron James and AD are on the team, he's going to have all day to shoot corner threes. What's he doing? He was supposed to be the third star. He was. Right? And, and he's then losing Al- opportunity. Alex Caruso and Dwight Howard are out here appearing on all-star ballot returns. Yeah, that's... And, and not Kyle Kuzma. Like, what are we doing? I, I know he was hurt to start the year, but I look, some of this, some of this was predictable, right? Because... He, I mean, How, he's a power forward. What right? part? He he plays the same position as Anthony Davis and LeBron. Okay, right. You got he's clearly, <laughs> clearly not LeBron or AD. But isn't it and on he him? doesn't do enough things well outside of his primary skill set to play a different position to fit in along the alongside those guys. So like, if you're the Lakers, like. I mean, if they get Bogdanovich for this version of Kyle Kuzma, that is a fleecing, yeah. and that's incredible. But, like, so much of what's happening with Kuzma this year, I feel like we, we could have seen it coming from a mile away when they got Anthony Davis and they, and they made that trade this summer. Like, what, what else was going to happen? I, I think it was on Kuzma to, to realize, like you just said, he plays the exact same positions of two guys that are all-time greats. you got to find another way to to impact the game, and he hasn't done that. He hasn't taken defense seriously. He hasn't stepped up three-point, you know, shooting uh, the ball from three better. So what is he doing to, to really change anything from the – you can't just say, well, this is who I am and these two guys are better than me. No, you got you have to change, and he hasn't done that. Hasn't done that. I, you're not, you're not going to hear any disagreement <laughs> from me. All right, off the Kyle Kuzma talk. Uh, let's talk about someone who's coming back and not someone who's leaving. Uh, Victor Oladipo is on his way back uh, to the Indiana Pacers lineup. They've held it down without Vic. Like they've they've played good basketball without Victor Oladipo. They're in the mix. I think if you told Victor Oladipo that his team would be twenty two and fourteen as a time of recording this, uh, you know, a, a shot at getting home court advantage in the playoffs, 
They have Malcolm Brogdon, who's playing at an all-star level. Uh, Miles Turner's playing all right when he's in the lineup. They, they finally started uh, Sabonis, so now he's balling and feels more comfortable. And now you're adding a guy who's probably going to average around 18 points, maybe six assists a game, I'm just projecting. Um, this is a team that could be dangerous. I, I, I had them on my sleeper list all summer long uh, as a team that was going to win the division uh, over the Bucks. I don't think that's happening now. But I, I really think that no team wants to see them in the first round of the playoffs they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be the type of team that's going to take you to seven games in the last five minutes of the game, and you're going to have to beat them because they're not going to go away. The Pacers, to me, I was a Pacers hater all summer. I wrote a piece for uh, NBA.com India shortly after the India games mm. talking about how the Pacers were sleeper contenders in the East. And all it took was me doing the research and writing that paper to realize that I didn't think they were contenders in the East at all. <laughs> um, Strong sell. They, they, right. <laughs> but, but sometimes when you, start looking into, when you start looking into things, you start diving a little bit deeper, you realize you're like, all right, I did so not everyone's see that talking. curveball coming. <laughs> everybody, you're thinking, you know, everybody's so high on this team. All right, let's look into it and let's see what's going on. And I just didn't believe in them at all. And an even crazier curveball is that, I would have never guessed that the Victor Oladipo's Pacers have been ca- became one of my favorite league pass teams because mm. this team is they're it's like stifling how good they are and Demontis Sabonis is an all star uh, Malcolm Brogdon is playing at an all star caliber but Demontis Sabonis has been the best player on that team like he's been he ju- should be their all star it's gonna it's gonna probably be Brogdon right it, it might but at the same time I think enough people realize Sabonis is I mean he's a monster he has like the third most double doubles in the league he's bringing it every night on both ends of the floor Mm -hmm. um 18 and 13 (laughs) exactly you know he's (laughs) he's killing teams I've seen him kill a couple teams and I think with Oladipo coming back I don't know how much it changes in the east because I think that they're still going to be floating around the same you know five six seed that they are right now but like Carlin just said I mean this team right now isn't a team that anybody's going to want to play in the first round just because of how hard they play, and they play with a chip on their shoulder. When Victor Oladipo comes back, that makes them even more scary for any team that's going to have to see them in the first round. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned where they are kind of uh, in the standings right now. They're, they're 22 and 14, recognize them at six at the time of recording. They're two games out of fourth uh, behind the Raptors, which crazy schedule quirk. They play the Raptors three times in February, so those will be three league pass games to, to keep an eye on for sure. Um, a guy you didn't mention or, or a guy who's kind of been under the radar a little bit, Aaron Holiday. I, I watched them play uh, the Raptors. He had some big shots. Uh, Brogdon was out, and Brogdon's been out a lot lately as well. They've been dealing with injury to him, and Aaron Holiday's getting some really important reps to be that backup guard. Uh, I, you know, Jeremy Lamb has been playing really well, and I think it'll allow him to star in his role even better when Oladipo comes back. Um, and, and one thing I, I'm encouraged by with Oladipo coming back it's been like two months I saw him getting reps in in practice so they've been easing him in for some time now I'm not really concerned about obviously game speed is completely different but I think that curve of of getting the rust off won't be as as drastic as people are expecting it to be just because he's been slowly but surely working it's it's been over nearly a year since he sustained the injury they've they've been uh taking it very cautiously but also I think preparing him to where he will be ready once he gets back into it. This is a guy who's an all-star when he's playing, and they have a really good cast around him that kind of complements him, and he gets after them both ends of the floor. So I think they're definitely going to be a team that could finish as high as, as four or three and will be really tough to play against because of their brand of basketball. I re- one thing that I really I really hope that when Oladipo returns that the Pacers keep their identity and they keep playing the same way and they don't treat Oladipo like he's – LeBron coming back right. or like he's Kyrie coming back. Or, right. You know, he had two seasons ago, he had an unbelievable all NBA season, but like even last year prior to getting hurt, he wasn't, I know he made the all-star team. He wasn't playing that great. I was just going to say, because that's the misconception that people say he got hurt twice last season. The first time, the, the first time he got before he got hurt the first time and missed a bunch of games, he was averaging 23 points. All right, that's fair. He came off. He came back that season after getting eliminated from that seven-game epic series against the Cavaliers, and said, "I am now one of the fifteen best players in the NBA." And played. Yeah, he like was it. amazing in that. Series. And then he yeah. got hurt. But people only remember the second return where he was less than, and I think that's what you're alluding to. That's what I'm alluding yeah. to. Right? He was. And he wasn't great there. I just look. It, this is a really hard return to come back from, and so I just think that. The version of Oladipo that's going to come back is probably closer to the one, that second version after yeah. that initial injury, than it is the one 
pre-injury, you know, and then the the 17, 18 version of Oladipo. I, I just if they if they roll him out there as like a hey, we have three number one options between Brogdon and Sabonis and now Depot, and we're gonna it, it's gonna be those three, and there's no clear pecking order. I think that's how they should play rather than try to turn it into the Oladipo show again. Because I'm not sure that he's going to be ready to do that. He Well, the one thing that uh, the, the Pacers have going for them right now, they got six guys averaging double figures, Aaron Holiday being the last at 10 points, and Doug McDermott's close to 10. So the, you could call it seven guys that are averaging double figures. So they're, they're sharing the ball a lot. Uh, and Oladipo's never been able to play with a team that has – this much scoring power across the board like he played Russell Westbrook who was at the time when he was playing with him a complete black hole in terms of he's taking his shots he's getting his looks and he was I think he led the league in scoring that year didn't he not it was yeah. MVP season right? MVP season and then uh the year when he went to Indiana he didn't really have anyone else that he could really trust in terms of getting the ball to so he had to score 23 points a game the one thing this Pacers team does not have and a team if you want to be successful in the playoffs don't care who you are how talented you are you have to have a closer and Brogdon is not that yet Neither Sabonis, but Oladipo, we've seen primetime Oladipo. I don't need to see him play a single game. I know when the game's on the line, he's going to be able able to get a uh, shot off. Last year, prior to that injury, he uh, was leading the NBA in clutch time field goal percentage. Yeah. Single best closer in the league last year uh, before being hurt. So he can definitely do exactly what you just said. Yeah. So uh, that's that's the important thing, I think, uh, that uh, the Pacers are missing. And right now in clutch games, 16 of them, they played their 8-8. Uh, you have Victor Oladipo. They're above 500 in those games. No question about it, in my opinion. Um, let's move quickly and talk about the Clippers. Oof. The LA Clippers took one of the most embarrassing losses of the season, losing 140 to 114 at home to the Memphis Grizzlies. The crowd, I mean, the, the Clipper fan base, they're already fed up with this team. They booed them off the court. Montres Harrell said in the post game interviews that. This is not a great team and that they need to wake up. Um, I found it interesting because this is a team that hasn't played together a lot. And when I mean a play together, I mean the full lineup with Kawhi and everybody on in, in, on the same page. Um, they're bringing in Kawhi Leonard, who is an interesting character, into the locker room as he's the best player in the, in, in the league, in my opinion. Paul George, I'm not going to call him an interesting character, but he's still one of the 12 best players in the league. And the core that's there, when Montrezl Harrell talks like that, it feels like the core that had been there in the past, meaning him, Pat Bev, Lou Will, are sort of separating themselves from the new guys. When you say things like, we're not there yet, or we don't know what's going on, or we're not a great team, and that makes me feel like, there's a little bit of a separation in that locker room. I, I don't know. I think they're going to be completely fine. I, I think that this is all nothing. I think it's a lot. They're 6-5 and five over their last 11, but they, this is not a team that I we've talked about it before. And maybe, look, maybe Trez is sort of in that, like, he has that Draymond mentality where he's just, he's all in all the time, right? There's there's one gear and, and that's it. Right. And that's fine. And look, like, you mentioned like Kawhi is a he's an odd dude. Like playing with Kawhi is tough, and that's one of the things that I don't think that everyone else on on the Toronto Raptors got enough credit for last year is that like they welcomed him in. And they said just dude, do your thing. We're good. You never heard a peep from them ever from anyone on that roster about Kawhi sitting out games. About it was always just it is what it is. Next man up. We're gonna be ready, and like. The audacity of Clippers fans to boot. What like, what have the Clippers ever done? What are we doing? <laughs> they're, they're the favorite to win the NBA title, and we're sitting here booing the, the Clippers in the first week of January? What are we doing? I like it. No, they're fine. I don't they're I don't fine. Know. I don't know if they're fine. I don't know if they're fine. And and I think you brought up a good point in, in the fact that the Raptors you didn't hear anything about Kawhi kind of sitting out games with the Raptors because it was different. It was first of all, it was the first time we heard of load management, so no one really knew what it was. And secondly, that Raptor core had been there for years and years and years. The only change that was really made was losing DeRozan. Uh, you know, Jakob Proter was not wasn't the cornerstone of the, the locker room. You got a veteran Danny Green, and Kyle Lowry was already there. You had all this stuff there, and I think Nick Nurse did an incredible job throughout the year, just 
just kind of guiding that team through everything. All this mess. And I'm not saying that Doc Rivers hasn't because I mean it, we haven't really seen you know the team at the peak yet. They beat the Lakers twice. That's good for them. But I think little things like this, when you know you're still 26 and 12, if you're if you're Montrezl Harrell and you're already speaking out at, in, in the one blowout loss that they've had all season, to me it makes me feel like there's more than just what we saw or what they're allowing us to see. Behind the scenes, this team isn't as close as probably we'd expect them to be. And I'm not saying you have to be best friends to win a championship, but you have to like each other. Mike, you made a good point about, about Montrez is kind of having that one gear. And it kind of got me thinking about that roster as a whole compared to that Raptors roster last year. You talk about Lowry, um, especially as a guy who was two games within making the finals in, in 2016. Guys who kind of understood the grind of the 82-game season how it's completely different with the postseason, I think – um, it makes me kind of think about back, back to school when, when you're in a, in a group project and like two people are kind of loafing the entire time and you're worried, oh, we're going to do bad, we're going to do bad. And like, now nah, we know how to, we know how to turn the, flip the, flip the switch and, and kind of do it when it, when it's really important. I think the Clippers don't really have very many guys on their team that have actually played for something before. Mm-hmm. So I think that to them, you know, losing a game, losing game 38 or 39 a season, it, it means, oh man, this is going to affect us when the postseason starts. I think that. Montrez Harrell is definitely a guy who seems like every little thing is important, and as it, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that it's a contrast with with Paul George, who's been you know a game away from the finals, Kawhi, who's, who's won it twice. I think these guys understand that it's it's very much more of a marathon than than a shorter sprint, and I think that. Those guys who haven't played for anything bigger—I mean, you know—it's it's literally nothing wrong with it. No offense to Montrez, but he made it to the playoffs for the first time last year. I guess first time with the Clippers last year, and they lost in the first round. I think the word you're looking for is trust, right? Yeah, I th- I th- that's probably what it is. It, like, the Raptors had complete trust that Kawhi was going to show up when the time was there, and I'm not saying that Montrez Harold doesn't, but you can't speak like that if you have complete trust right. when a guy's going to show up and deliver and. I'm of the belief that, yes, Martrez is the one guy that's speaking out. There's 12 guys on that team. There's no way he's the only one that feels this way. Yeah, and, I, and even even deeper than that, I think I think it had a lot to do with the culture as well. I think they established that culture of, of who they were last year, the team. I remember one thing Doc told them is they're like cockroaches. They never go away. They came back from 30 points down in a right. playoff game last right. year. They kind of had that grinded out, never take a playoff, we're never down, never out, that, that type of mentality. And now these two guys come in, and it might mean better things in the long run, but I do think it's a little bit of – Discomfort when you kind of feel your identity as a team, as a franchise, changing a little bit, and I think that that kind of deals to with the the, the mistrust. And, and obviously, you, you talked about earlier, he might not be with that franchise much longer with his payday looming, looming soon. So there is a lot of elements that go into that. This uh, this kind of has a, a little bit of a feel of the 2018-19 Celtics to me, just in a sense where there were times last year where you'd look at the standings and they're in third place, and it's like. You know, all you hear is all the negatives, and even if they picked up good wins, you still only heard about the negatives. Even mm. if, even if the record was there, you were only hearing about the turmoil in the locker room. And I think, I mean, Carlin, you just said they're twenty six and twelve. I mean, I don't know if they expect to be thirty eight and zero or what the deal is there, but I see the frustration because you're halfway through the season, you have all this talent, and you still don't really feel like you're clicking yet, and they don't feel like they've reached their maximum potential, letting up uh, you know one hundred forty points to a team like the Grizzlies. And I think Gil hit the nail on the head there, where he's saying it, it's. They have to learn to adjust to the team that they are now. Like they, they have the luxury with those two superstars to, you know, take nights off, even if that's not what they've done in the past. They went from being this team that was, you know, the most. They're giving you 110 percent effort every single night. In players like Trez, I think that's where he thrives. I think that's when he's at his best. Same with Patrick Beverly. And maybe they're a little uh, uneasy that that's not the style they're playing with this year. Right. But I think. Like you said, in the long run, they're going to realize that it's it's going to benefit them. I mean, there's still over half the season here for them to figure things out, and that's kind of what Kawhi Leonard was saying in that same uh, post game interview. That you know they haven't figured it out yet, but there's still a lot of time left, and he still has faith that this team's going to figure it out. I think the group project analogy is a good one because there's we've all been in group projects, and there's group projects where there's sometimes where that, as you said, there's people that kind of loaf through it all and then flip the switch when you're standing in front of the class and presenting, and that's okay with the group. But there's other group projects where if one person is not carrying their weight throughout, there's one person that's going to be like, hey, this is week one, let's step it up here. And I think Montrez is a guy that's that feels like he's giving 110% mm-hmm. every game and maybe doesn't have the same feeling about the star player. 
and he probably wasn't you know he probably is not okay with that he's probably not used to seeing the best player on the team that gets all the credit when they win show up when he kind of wants to that's kind of like you know we we were talking about trez having one gear but i mean he's kind of been on teams like that certainly uh you know in in his brief nba career but even in college like those Louisville teams were were never yeah, star studded, like filled with, with top flight McDonald's All Americans. I mean, he's this guy has made a career out of being a grinded out hundred percent all the time. So like he he's never really been in a position where he's had someone like Kawhi or even Paul George, mm-hmm. uh, right? Where you you can sort of have the trust that they've been there before, they know what they're doing. We're gonna be fine. You know that that's not who Trez is. Uh, and like you guys said, there's nothing wrong with that, but I do think that that's kind of, that's who he is as a player. So it's really hard to, to teach these guys also 25, 26 years old. So, um, you know, it's not like it's a 10 year vet. This is not like Draymond blowing up last year at at Kevin Durant, Right. right? No, it's not. I think that's different, but also we gave it, we kind of looked at that differently because they had already won. This team hasn't won anything yet. They may not even make the finals realistically like we saw the warriors get to the fight we saw the warriors fight and get to the finals so we knew that they could get through this my thing is is that i don't know where the leader is on this team because Kawhi is not that guy to stand up in the locker room and rah-rah and rally the troops and i haven't seen that from paul george in the past it's Beverly, either right it, it would be pat bev but if pat bev believes the way that trez believes then that changes everything because you have to Kawhi and Paul George are the best two players on the team. They aren't playing 82 games full strength. They're not going. They're not going 110 percent for. They're not diving on loose balls like the grinded out Clippers were of the past. And Pat Bev is a part of that. So Pat Bev kind of has to get the troops together and get them all on the same page. And why I was alarmed, it wasn't just that quote. It was the game after they play uh, the New York Knicks. They welcome up the New York Knicks, and you look at that on the schedule, and you say, okay, that's a that's a W. You know, the Knicks aren't coming in here to win games first and foremost. They're just showing up. If they win, they win. But more than likely, they're trying. They're going to lose. Uh, and the Knicks came in, gave them 45 points in the first quarter. 76% shooting. That's ridiculous. In the first quarter. That's ridiculous. That, to me, was the time where – because Paul, Paul George didn't play that game that you know Trez was all up in arms about. So the full roster was back. Everyone was back. You were embarrassed the night before, and then you come out in the first quarter and lay an egg. That to me was like, okay, this is more than just one bad game. This is this is guys not on the same page, and it's going to take more than just uh, you know an outburst in the media to get them back on. So the what same do they page. do? Are you, are you, sounds to me like you're advocating. I think they should make a trade. They, they should get Trez out of there, no, and not not, not because not, it's not Trez's true. fault. No, no. To the chemistry, something something's not. They haven't clicked yet. I think we I think we underestimated how difficult it was going to be for that team to, to figure it out. Because uh, something that we kept saying when they got Kawhi and Paul George, someone's like, "Oh man, this is the team that gave the Warriors fits." They just mm-hmm. just go and add two guys who fit right there seamlessly. It's just going to be perfect. And we I think we all said it, myself included. And I think now we're seeing like these two guys who come from situations like I said, like you don't I, I almost forget that Paul George was one game away from the finals in, in right. his past early in his career. Right. Like these are guys who are, are, are very much big picture, um, you know, coming off injuries, managing injuries and, and treating the season completely differently. And that like I said, that cultural that difference in approach is, is so different and such an impact on the chemistry that it's almost like do you bring more guys in who have that 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 viewpoint, I guess. Like you look across the hallway in the Lakers, we talk about the older guys on their team. Dwight's been to the finals. Javale's won it. Rondo's won it. LeBron's won it. AD hasn't been as far, but he's he's an older enough guy and he's a superstar to the cal of the caliber of understanding. Okay, these guys are saying it this way. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna fall in line with that. Right. I, I think that that's an underestimated aspect of the chemistry part. I mean, the Clippers look like they get along perfectly when they're playing against the Lakers. They get up for the big games, but it's not about those big moments. It's about you know. You know, Saturday afternoon, which is the twelfth against the Grizzlies, or Saturday after, Sunday afternoon against the Knicks. Those are the games that are in the margins that you know lead to you being you know fifty eight and twenty four versus fifty one and thirty one, or whatever the case may be. I think we took for I think we take for granted because we saw how easy KD fit in with the Warriors. We and we saw how easy Kawhi kind of just fit in with the Raptors. That we take for granted that the best players in the world. It's going to take some time for them to get used to their teammates, yeah. no matter who you are. Like I, I think because it was so seamless with those two specific examples, we forget how long it took the Miami Heat to gel before they got, got going and, and went on their four runs uh, straight to the finals. I, I think 
I think we take those moments for granted. That's all. I think they're fine. I don't think we should overreact. I'm overreacting. I think I think they're all right too. I think they're having a little. <laughs> there we go. I think they're just having uh, a little bit of an identity crisis here. I think that they just need to figure out, you know, who's the leader in the locker room, what type of team are we, and move forward. They have enough talent where they can get over yeah, this. We're we're thirty eight and uh, eighty two. Hey, sometimes uh, you know, a great man once said to me, "The laundry you could change the, t- the, the players on the team. The laundry stays the same, and the laundry follows you around. This Clippers laundry hasn't done anything ever. Wow, ever." I don't so, even know what to do with that. There is no <laughs> history to show me that the LA Clippers as a franchise is going to overcome any sort of adversity. I don't care who's playing I, with so the, the the most ridiculous part of this whole thing is Clippers fans booing. That's, That's awesome. the most outlandish I can part of you there for sure. Because the team the team is gonna be fine. Like they they got Kawhi, they got Paul George, they got like Doc knows what he's doing. They're fine. Right. What are we doing, Clippers fans? Well, I mean, you're, they just you're became already, Clippers fans 20 minutes ago. What are ago. we doing? <laughs> they just became Clippers fans 20 minutes ago. Oh, my ago. God. You think they were hanging around for Elton Brand and Tim Thomas? Probably not. Don't do that to Tim Thomas. I love Tim Thomas, but they weren't there when Tim Thomas was there. Get it up for Q Rich. <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, speaking of blasts from the passes, let's try to wrap this up quickly here with uh, some news. Dwight Howard is entering the 2020 NBA dunk contest. That's that's right. Dwight Superman Howard is back in the dunk contest, uh, seemingly to defend his crown. We also saw a report that uh, Zach Levine, I almost said Livingston for some reason, <laughs> Zach Levine uh, has been invited to the dunk contest in Chicago, but hasn't made a decision yet. Um, Levine, of course, plays for the hometown Bulls. I think it would be smart for him to get into the dunk contest, kind of rebuild some of that, you know, I don't know, good graces for the Chicago fan base and maybe bring back some joy to the dunk contest. Um, I'm out on Dwight Howard. I'm just be honest. I'm out on Dwight Howard. Who in wants the dunk to contest. see Dwight I don't want to see Dwight Howard. I do. Why? Why? I want to see Dwight Howard in the dunk contest. Right, the I, I actually, I love this. I think, it, you know, Dwight's revitalizing his career this year. And okay, he I'm was, calling you out here. He was, you like it. You don't love it. No, I, I do love it. I really this do. This is ridiculous. No, it's not because he's, he was, there's he, a lot of AFC East <laughs> pits of anger here coming out. Oh. <laughs> You don't have to go there. Um, no, he's he's. This is a whole like revitalizing Dwight Howard's career this year, and he's been awesome at it so far. And he was one of the most loved players in the NBA when he was doing those dunk contests with the Magic. And I think he's kind of trying to bring back. It's almost like a nostalgia factor here. And I think that he's like, all right, well, I've revitalized myself on the floor. Maybe I can get some fan love back in the dunk contest. I think he still has the athleticism to do it. I think that anytime that you see someone that big doing crafty dunks and i'm sure he's a creative guy i'm sure he'll come up with something good i think that it'll work out the only reason why i will say i don't like it is because the report that john morant has been mulling over his decision of if he's going to do the dunk contest or not and i want to see john morant in the dunk contest and the only thing that i think is holding him back is seeing what the rest of the field is going to be like and i'm not sure if dwight howard wait a second you think dwight howard is scaring john morant from joining the dunk contest i'm not saying it's scaring him away oh, i'm saying it's say. is dwight howard a big enough name for john morant to be like okay this is worth me doing this. john morant's a rookie john morant should not be in here saying dictating that his participation <laughs> in a exhibition dunk contest depends on who else that that's more of a joke than clippers fans booing he didn't specifically say it just said he's mulling uh, it over i'm putting the words in his mouth i'm trying to put myself in his brain thinking that he's probably looking at the rest of the if team. i'm the lakers i do not want my 34 year old center out there yeah. unnecessarily in yeah, a dunk contest real quick i, I just i was curious i want to look it up the last time Dwight won the dunk contest in 08, John Morant was eight years old. <laughs> so just so just, just want to throw, throw that out there. John was eight. I was there. I was 13, so I was a little bit older. But, um, I, yeah, I mean. Yeah, that was in New Orleans, right? It was in New Orleans. It was in New yeah. Orleans in 08 was when he won. The last time he participated was in 09, so it's been over 10 years. I'd be excited about he it. he won more than one dunk contest. It's just honestly. Honestly, Yeah, he just got. Just one, man. He, he, went, he went three times. He did the sticker in Vegas in 07. Got, I think he got robbed with that one. But, you know, the, the Superman dunk, which brings me to the other point. Father Time is undefeated. He's he's you know, eleven years older than he was the last time he participated. How much is there that we haven't seen him do for him to do? It, we already are kind of at a disadvantage sometimes. Big men sometimes do stuff. It doesn't you don't really appreciate it for what it is. But what's left? Is it going to be this like guy? A, this guy missed significant time because he got a butt injury with the Wizards. Right. right. This yeah. is lining up perfectly <laughs> for Dwight Howard, who's having an amazing Renaissance season. He's been a an incredible redemption story. 
the stars are aligning perfectly for him to not take this seriously and then get hurt in a dunk contest. He should not do this. Who should do it is Zach Levine. This is the first time the All-Star game is back in Chicago since 88. Mm. That's obviously the, the Chicago Stadium, Michael mm-hmm. Jordan, Dominique Wilkins. Like, Zach Levine needs to be wearing a Michael Jordan retro jersey and doing the dunk contest in the United States. I like Center. the condition. I care about that way more than Dwight Howard. <laughs> I like the condition of him saying he'd be more likely to do it if he gets selected to the All-Star game. So it's like, all right, just pick me, pick me, and I'll, and I'll, I'll do yeah, it. I'll do a, it. So. Newsflash, Jack, that's not happening. A little um, Yeah, you're not, you're not making the All-Star team. Hey, this is a guy who made 13 threes in the game, 49 points score? Come on. Yeah, that's, I was in the building for that, baby. So Terrence Ross scored 51 <laughs> points in the game. He's not making the All-Star team. I, uh, Get that I, out of here. I want to leave on this. I think that if Dwight <laughs> Howard is committing to doing the dunk contest, I think he's a showman. I think he is creative. I think sometimes creativity gets lost in the dunk contest. Uh, you know, players are trying to prove who's more athletic than the other. And I think that if he's committing to this now in January, the first week in January, he's got to have something up his sleeve. So put me on the record here. Dwight Howard, if he's in the dunk contest, it's because he has a creative idea, something different, something we haven't think seen. I think Kyle Kuzma is going to help him with this uh, creative approach. Still he's going to put Kyle Kuzma's. He's going to put Kyle Kuzma in a trash fit in a trash barrel, <laughs> and then jump over him and do a windmill or something. That's what I got uh, for you. Who would you want to see? One player in the NBA. Who would you want to see in a dunk contest? We're all going to be there. I honestly, I, I honestly think John Morant right now is okay. the, is that player for me. Those teammates in there, Brandon Clark. The answer is LeBron. It's always been LeBron. I want LeBron in the dunk contest. Uh, also, I, no, actually, no. It's LeBron. It's also, I want to see 90-year-old Vince Carter. I was just about to say, I have two answers. I have <laughs> yeah. Vince Carter just for nostalgia, but I also have Derek, uh, what's his, the guy that's on the heat? Derek, oh, Derek, Derek Jones, Jones Jr. Derek Jones Again? Jr. Derek Jones Jr. I didn't even know his name, but I know his name. <laughs> uh, I, think he, I think he was special. Um, Anthony Simons, the other oh, day, yeah. threw one down. Yeah, that he, was nasty. Anthony Simons. Yeah, he's a kid, so he, he'd be special. All right, shout-outs before we get out of here. 30 seconds. Uh, give, give a shout-out to something, someone, a team in the league that, uh, that impressed you so far. I have two things. I have Lonzo Ball. I had him as my most improved player of the year earlier in the season. I gave up on him a little bit too early, even though I think Bam is still the most improved player. Uh, Lonzo's been awesome in this Pelicans run, so I want to give him a shout-out. Second is the Celtics big man. Big big man. Ennis Cantor has stepped it up on the defensive end. Okay. He's provided a surge to this team over the past couple of games. Okay. I want to show him love, and Daniel Tice has been d up as well. Let's Everyone go. says they need a big man. I'm getting hyped for Cantor and Tice. Let's go. And that's my second shout-out. All right, Dan Tice. Wait a second. No taco love? How did you not give me some taco on, Tuesday man. love? Come on, don't do that. Taco... He's a Taco, big man. He's just ripping up the main most red. points he's, per minute in NBA history. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> he's just ripping up the main red clause right it. now. My love, my love goes to Cantor and Tice, the guys that are doing it yeah, every the, night. The Celtics were in Charlotte on New Year's Eve, and I saw a '99 Taco Fall Celtics jersey Let's in the Spectrum go. Center crowd. So Christmas gifts. There you go. Christmas gifts. By the way, Mike Adams has a great piece on NBA.com about Taco Fall and his surge Get for in. being an All Star. Go read it. Yeah, he's better than Will Chamberlain. A little teaser yeah, for far you. better than Will Chamberlain. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I got to give a shout out. I foreshadowed a little bit. Shout out to the OKC Thunder, Chris Paul, Shea Gildas, Alexander, uh, Kyle wrote something about them and their All Star case. I think they deserve one of them deserves to be an All Star. I saw them play in person recently. Uh, they they have a way to just they find a way to win games. They put the the ball in Chris Paul's hands. This, this guy is pretty much wound the clock back to 2010. This guy's 34 years old. He's got the most. Uh, clutch time points in the league this season and Shea's not that far behind him he's blossoming to a star in front of our eyes and another shout out in the, in the spirit of Kyle a guy who went to the same university as, as Shea Devin Booker um, the, the team success isn't there right now but this guy scored 30 or more points in six straight games he's like the third son to ever do that so I think that deserves a little shout out I got out. a stat for the OKC guards as we were talking OKC's guards Dennis Schroeder SGA and Chris Paul have combined for close to 60 points on 48% shooting from the field since Thanksgiving. U.S. Thanksgiving, that is. Go ahead, Micah. That's pretty strong. I got two of them. I'm a big uh, – first off, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so I think that the new Star Wars is great. But in the spirit of, in the spirit of that, I want to give a shout-out to the Tennessee Titans for knocking off Emperor Palpatine <laughs> in Wild Card Weekend. The Emperor is dead or is he? <laughs> oh, I love it. And uh, I love it. Actually, an NBA team uh, that I want to give a shout out to the Utah Jazz. Hey, they've won 10 of 11. I, th- I think people kind of, kind of not rode off the Jazz, but I'm out on them still. you know, people, a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people entered the year saying that they were going to, they were going to be a contender in the West. 
you know, they're deep. They can score. They got D. I, I think that they're coming on strong, and they're doing it without Mike Conley. So uh, shout out to the Utah Jazz and the Tennessee Titans. Jordan Clarkson coming in to, to bring them to the next level, too. <laughs> he's, he's a tipping point. It's, it's Jordan Clarkson. Oh, man. I want to give a quick shout out. John Wall's back on the court. He's not going to play this year, but he's back on the court. Happy to see him healthy see and slowly getting close to uh, – basketball action we won't see him this year but next year the wizards should be uh him and davis bertans the best one two in the Ooh, in the nba pick and pop who's stopping it who's who's paying davis bertans this summer he's gonna get paid might, might see him might see him at spectrum center <laughs> he's getting naked <laughs> i'm ready money. Might see him, might see him at i spectrum saw him center. this year he he, he he likes playing here can i redo my shout out go ahead <laughs> go ahead i actually told you that i i wanted patrick mahomes to Potentially win a Super Bowl earlier. I hope. I hope Deshaun Watson is pulling Don't a Steven Tyler, pulling a Steven Tyler, just jamming out right, at, right, at, right at midfield this weekend. Throws five touchdowns. You I just, you just lateral to, to yourself like Josh Allen. Uh, yeah, I can't. Just, you just did that to me. We need I'm, to do that. I'm so upset. Well, that's incredible. This first one of the year. Appreciate you listening to NFL Sound System. It's been great. Uh, but all jokes aside, NBA Sound System, you know where to find us on every single streaming platform, pretty sure. And uh, follow everyone on Twitter. We'll leave the Twitter handles up on the Twitter account NBA, at NBA Sound System. For Mike Adams, Gil McGregor, Kyle Irving, I'm Carlin Day. We'll see you next time, right here on NBA Sound System.